Hey everyone, David here. It's about that time again for another episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, brought to you in part by Sad Girls Club. Now, Sad Girls Club Records today, this very day, have uh, put out a brand new compilation uh, called The Bands Are Breaking Up. It's a live compilation that was recorded uh, in January at a little mini festival that happened at the Hamilton Station Hotel in Newcastle. And it features tracks from a whole mess of absolute legends. You can hear stuff from Jamie Hay, Lucy Wilson, Nathan Seeks, Spencer Scott, SM, Lincoln Lefevre, Rachel Maria Cox, Jen Buxton, even your boy... Uh, nothing rhymes with David, aka me. Uh, I have a song on there, and uh, I also sang backing vocals on uh, Lucy Wilson's contribution, uh, "Full to the Brim." It was a really awesome day, and I was stoked to be a part of it. And I'm stoked to be sharing this compilation with you guys. It's going to be up on a pay what you want basis. But every last cent that you pay for the record will be donated to the Butterfly Foundation. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Butterfly Foundation are the national peak organization for eating disorders and negative body image. You can find out more about them at thebutterflyfoundation.org.au. You can find out more about our good friends at the Sad Girls Club at S-A-D-G-R-R-R-L-S-C-L-U-B.com, Sad Girls Club. And you are able to download The Bands Are Breaking Up, a live compilation right now from Sad Girls Club, S-A-D-G-R-R-R-L-S-C-L-U-B.bandcamp.com. So go check that out. It's a really, really cool compilation for a really great cause. I am absolutely honored to be a part of it, and I am absolutely honored to have Sad Girls Club supporting all my friends in bar bands. All right, let's get into our 40th episode. Here we go. David James Young here for another episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Hope you've had an awesome, awesome weekend. I sure as shit have. Uh, I have just been in Newcastle this entire weekend, uh, hanging out, and uh, I got to play a show yesterday at the Las O'Gowry with a former friend of the show. Oh, not former friend. <laughs> That'd be awful, wouldn't it? A former friend. No, I don't like him anymore. No, for our previous guest of the show, uh, Jack Lundy, as well as former guest of the show, Rachel Maria Cox, and uh, future guest of the show, Mr. Heath Anthony. Uh, it was really nice to catch up with all of them and uh, meet some cool new people along the way as well. Some really Really talented folks are uh, up on this corner of the world. So I'm about to uh, head out the door and make a lengthy trip back home, but it is always worth it because I love coming to this part of the universe. No doubt I'll be back incredibly soon. 
But until then, uh, we are going to get into our 40th episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. I can't believe it. it like, <laughs> I think I said something similar when we hit 30, but 40, like, it just, it's, it's a... It's momentous, you know. Life begins at 40, as I've been led to believe, by quite a few people. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to massively thank everyone that has been supporting the podcast and everyone uh, that is new to supporting the podcast and, of course, the people that have signed up early on to Patreon. Yes, we'll get the Patreon stuff out of the way. All right, let's let's just do that now. Patreon.com slash barbands. That's B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. Uh, on that note, actually, I just wanted to uh, send out an apology uh, to one of my most recent patrons, uh, Tom Lane. I was informed that in uh, last week's episode, I... Uh, I used incorrect pronouns for them, and uh, I wanted to uh, apologize for that. Like, uh, yeah, I, again, you know, like it's it's still something that I'm kind of getting used to, um, and obviously that's no excuse. But I'm I'm working towards it, and uh, yeah, hopefully they can accept my apology, and uh, hopefully <laughs> keep supporting the podcast. You know, that's you know, I, I I appreciate that a lot, and I appreciate anyone listening, and if you are, if you're listening, and you're enjoying what you hear, it's as little as a dollar a month, and you can get in on some cool exclusive stuff as well, I'll be sharing some notes from around the place, and uh, letting you in on some guests that are coming up before anyone else, including a pretty cool guest that we have next week that I'm not going to reveal. <laughs> I'm sure you'll, obviously you'll find out eventually, but if you want to find out right now, uh, you can check the notes by going to patreon.com slash barbands and signing yourself up for that. So, who do we have? For today's episode, our big 40th Spectacular. Well, to go with a 40th Spectacular, I thought I would go with a spectacular human being. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Brendan McLean. Now, Brendan is someone you might follow on Twitter. He has a, a really uh, devoted following there, and he is on fire a lot of the time. Uh, you might know him for some of his work in the realm of music. I certainly do. Uh, he has been making incredible forward-thinking pop music for, oh God, maybe eight years, maybe a bit longer. Um, you might have seen him around in a couple of movies. He's been in movies like Tracks uh, and the Baz Luhrmann remake of The Great Gatsby. Uh, you might have also seen him on stage recently as part of a big uh, jukebox musical slash circus spectacular, like a... A show that I'm, I'm still at a loss to kind of describe, but it's a it's a fabulous, fabulous creation. Uh, the show is called Velvet, in which he co-stars with the divine Miss Marsha Hines. This is a uh, this that's a, that actually sets the scene for where we recorded this. We recorded this uh, at the studio in the Sydney Opera House, which was uh, up until quite recently one of the fanciest places that I've ever recorded a podcast uh, to go along with a recording at Frankie Arrow's Hotel Room, which you should, if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely love you to check that one out as well. But uh, yes, Brandon was absolutely wonderful to talk to. I've been meaning to have him on for a long time, especially because he's kind of got a very different background, you know, he kind of, he's, 
he in that Tim Minchin road, he kind of learnt piano instead of guitar, and you know, kind of went down a more theatre based uh, kind of pathway as opposed to a lot of the people that I. Uh, interviews so it was good to have someone different on like openly and uh excitedly different like i i was great to have a bit more diversity in that respect of course i got love for for all my guitar playing friends but uh yeah i just wanted to switch it up and see how it went and i thought it was really really fun i i think this is a great little chat so uh hopefully you guys enjoy it as well before we get into that, just one more thing. The bands are breaking up. You heard about it in the uh, the intro, but you should please, 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 please go and pick that up uh, at sadgirlsclub.bandcamp.com. That's sadgirls, G-R-R-R-L-S, club.bandcamp.com massive thanks to sad girls club for supporting and sponsoring the podcast as well as spit the dummy records who have just announced they are going to be releasing a new album from newcastle's own suburban haze very much looking forward to hearing that uh there's the new song just got premiered on rollingstone.com which is pretty huge news for those guys. It's called Bed Keep Me, and it features the lead singer from Self Defense Family on vocals, which is an interesting little collaboration. So definitely check that out if you get the chance. And of course, head over to facebook.com slash wearespitthedummy to get all the information about Suburban Haze's new album. Okay, let's get fabulous, people. This is 40, and this is Brendan McLean. Thanks again so much for your support. I will chat to you soon. Ta-da! Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in Bar Bounce. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend, Brendan McLean. Hi David, how are you? I am very well, how yeah. are you? I, I'm pretty good today. Um, it's our, it's a Saturday, which yeah. means I'm doing two shows of Velvet today. And I've just come from some other like queer promo stuff mm-hmm. that we were doing. We're doing a show called FAQ on... And like Twissier, where they're going through the, the letters of LGBTQ, etc. Oh, right, right, right. And I was the the uh, the G. Oh. I know. I was a. I, I could have been the L and really thrown things off. <laughs> but today I was the G. Um, so that that was a good start to my day. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just for context, uh, this is a this is a bar band's first. We are yeah. in the studio of the Opera House. There's no one no one else here. Obviously, the show hasn't, show hasn't happened yet. But. Uh, yeah, uh, Brendan is in the middle of the run of Velvet at the Sydney Opera House, which is a musical he's doing with uh, the Divine Miss Marsha. Oh my Hines. god, I love you, Marsha. Oh my god, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And this is show 105 or something? Yes, yes, show 105 today. Um, so we celebrated 100 on, on the Sunday, and, and that felt good. It's strange, you know, to do 100 shows. Or yeah. To do anything. Of anything, times. yeah. I, I can't think of that many things I've done, you know, that aren't banal daily things, like 100. <laughs> Times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing these songs every night—it's—it's it's tough to find something new in it. But mm. you do, 
usually that's in your castmates or something. Like you see like a, a glint in their mm. eye that you haven't noticed before. Or the audience, yeah. the audience can really change a show. I don't think they realize how important they are. Yeah, sure. Like you know, when you're up to 105, and you know you just see someone having a, a bit of a giggle, like it just it's like thank it's God. Like, oh. I'm still I'm not a TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I get worried about. That people will ever think of my live performances like. Just watching a TV. No, yeah. it's, it's like I'm there. Even even in my original stuff, I'm there in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people should approach all bands like that. Precisely. You know, this could so. be any any time you see a gig could be the last time you see you know that favorite band or mm. that band setup. Yeah, totally. And it's not a TV. React, people. Yeah, exactly. We like it when you react. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. Doesn't matter what kind of show. It's it's the energy that you're giving. You, yeah. you get out what you put in, really. And it's not even about you know audience sizes because we've had. You know, it's 550 capacity here, and we've had days where it's only had, you know, 200 people, mm-hmm. and it's been better than when it's had 500. Really? Yeah. Just, just purely because somebody in the front row had, a, like, a magic smile. Or, <laughs> like, we notice everyone, and we can see everyone. Like, we aren't blinded by the lights in the press. We see everybody. You make, you make the show. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. A, yeah. So, if you ever see the show, remember, he's watching you. I'm, I'm watching you. <laughs> Swipe special effects. Star wipe. I love it. I love it. Now, Brandon, we met for the first time eight years ago. Five hundred years ago. Yeah, many, many, many months ago. Uh, Let's see. It was two thousand and eight, and it was in Nara at uh, the Tea Club, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, sadly long gone venue. But uh, we had some very, very good nights there, including this night. Uh, I was playing drums for a friend of mine, uh, Christina Mullaney, who Mm -hmm. I haven't seen in many, many years, and. You were opening the show by playing solo, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the, the two times I played Tea Club. The other time was with Benny Zoda and Annie. Yeah, that's right. Um, those cool cats from down there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember I remember hugging. <laughs> and just sort of... The Tea Club was this... It felt like fairies were in the air there. Yeah, totally. It was... Because it was out in this little back garden yeah. with this tiny little stage. It's that same sort of magic feeling that Sydney's news agency kind of has sometimes. Yeah, know? totally. I, I get what you mean. Really is music lovers that went there. Yeah, for that, sure. That made it really special to perform at. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, believe at the time you were playing uh, songs from... Uh, an EP that you've long since abandoned called Pros from Pluto, <laughs> which I still don't have a copy of, and I've been hounding no one you does. No one does. Um, <laughs> I, Surely I, someone would. I don't think I even have copies of the songs anymore. Um, <laughs> they're just odd to listen to. I actually tried to re-record one on my last, on the For Him With Love EP. Really? Which one? Uh, it's called Leftover. Yeah, I remember that one. And it was, you know, a neat little weird... Patrick Wolfie type song but yeah. I, you know, I gave it like four goes and there was just something I don't know maybe I used to sound innocent and now I, I sound guilty as all hell so <laughs> it just doesn't work anymore yeah well, that was the your same top. boyish blue glint in my eyes <laughs> I mean that was your first that was your first EP and yeah. that was the first time that you were probably like writing your own songs and stuff like that so like uh, what kind of what kind of sparked the interest to, to start recording and do your own stuff to begin with oh it was all just me running away from people at really? school. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I, I, I used to get the, the crap beaten out of me. And so i just run to different places. And the first place I ran to was, you know, dance school. Right. I started dancing. Well, no, I, I went there for karate. Because mum was like, you know, the boy needs self-defense. <laughs> but when I was doing karate, I had this whole Billy Elliot moment. I've right. seen, you know, 
the sparkly yeah, lycra across the mom, hall. I don't want to do karate. I, like, I want to dance. What's that? What's that? I need to go over there. So I did dance. I did acting and, you know, all this stuff to kind of stay out of the playground. And, and the last thing I could run to was this room with a piano in it. Right. And I'd just, like, teach myself Whitlam songs or badly play Ben Folds or Regina Spector or yeah. whatever. And then... You know, at the same time, I was writing poetry and on deviant art, probably. And we all were. It was, it was pretty. It was pretty bad. And so I thought, <laughs> maybe if I sung it, it it would make the poems bearable. That's that's genuinely how I came to fight, write my first song, was just singing this this poem. And there's no structure to the song. It's just plinky plonky piano chords. What was the first song? Uh, it was something about something about a beach and tornadoes and. Something I forget. <laughs> it was very moody. A beach and tornadoes, lots of metaphor. But then when, when I was trying to learn this Regina Spector song um, called Carbon Monoxide, and I couldn't, and so I just kept the chords that I played and wrote Airport People. Ah! So that's how I came sort of write my first decent song. Yeah. Pretty much just trying to learn a cover. <laughs> and, and I was so bad at the cover that no one has ever recognised that it's those... <laughs> Two songs, yeah. But if you if you go listen to it, the chord patterns, da dum dum, da 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 dum, both exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same song. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, well, Regina. Now, now, now that she's she'll she'll inevitably hear this and get her lawyers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've hugged her before, and she is just so short and beautiful and wonderful. Oh, that does not surprise me in the slightest. So I got to watch when she recorded her like a version. Oh, real love. Yeah. When she did that, and it was just... That's like one of the all-time great like yeah. versions, too. Yeah, it was really special. You I know, can just imagine. to see this little woman come in, just her and a piano, mm. and that's all she needed. And that's what I love about yeah. her and any artist who can... And that's why I did the For Him With Love album, because I wanted to have a go at just... Even if it was covers, yeah. which is what that EP is, I just wanted a, a go of... Just me and, and a studio on a piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that love affair with Regina's continued. You covered her on your own CPs. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's a tour group coming in, so we're going to go down to my dressing room. All right. Come with me. Come on. Cut two. Hi. <laughs> Back in another room. Act two. Okay, we are now in Brendan's dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a Today in History from the 100th performance. Uh, and I'll read you one. On nine, uh, in 1512, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel was painted, and 1604, today in history, William Shakespeare's Othello is performed for the first time, but most importantly, in 2015, Velvet's 100th show. Okay. Bless. Yeah. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I mm-hmm. love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to trace it back to what got you interested in music originally to begin with. So you're a shy kid originally. Yes. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Um... What was it a family thing where you got interested in music, or was it something that came up in school? Or I'm the first person in my family to do music or performance at all. Right? Were they interested in music at all? Like, did you get anything from them, or I was it kind of something so. you kind of had to go out of your own way to you know, discover? D- Dad's rule was it's it's Triple J in the car or nothing. That's a good rule. So it's, it was a good rule. So I, I heard a lot of great music. Mm. Um, on, on my mum's side, it was we're playing in excess or nothing. Right. <laughs> um, so two very. It's also a good, a good rule a good to have, rule. and I think what, probably why I learned pop the way I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely think there's something about the way that I'm singing on Tectonic and some of the other tracks late, later that, that certainly take from a um, Michael Hutchins sort of angle. Like sure, yeah. Being 
being prouder of my big vocals that I have. And, it, you know, it's certainly a, a bit of Kim from the presets in, in Tectonic, that sort of round Australian yeah, yeah. vowels, you know. Yeah, I can, I can picture that now that you've mentioned it. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, but, but, but as for why I started in, in regards to my family, I really don't know. I think I got put in a musical once as a dancer when I yeah. was when I was dancing. Yeah. And they were just down an, an ensemble person, so they, they gave me, like, a line. Mm. And I was terrible. Like, such such a bad voice at the time. My dad my dad just thought it was someone else singing. I think he was so ashamed. He just said, maybe, <laughs> you need to learn to mime better, was the, the, the thing that he oh, said to my first. your dad? Yeah. <laughs> you need to learn to mime better, because you're that bad. God damn. But I, I, I kept going. Um, I think from there I got put in, you know, an a cappella singing group and... And, and and met a girl named Melanie Isaacs who, if, if you're a jazz buff, which I don't know how many people are, her her dad is Mark Isaacs, who's oh. an incredible, incredible pianist. works works with um, David Helfcott and oh. so many in, incredible people. Yeah. And I used to stay at his house, and, and I think that's why I found the piano. So probably through musical singing, through them, through them to the piano. Like David Helfcott used to come around at five a.m. and just be like, hello, 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 um. I'm just going to use your piano. I have to. I have to play the piano now. Probably doing more of a Jeffrey Rush voice there than an actual. David <laughs> but that's Helfer. how we know. Who but David that's Helfer how is. we know. That's, <laughs> now you're probably going. Oh, that's who he's talking oh, about, right, Jeffrey right. Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that's I think why I chose the piano. This it's powerful magic instrument that can play any note on the scale and is you know the heart of of melodic music. Sure. When did you start performing, like, playing your own music? Like, uh, at what point did that kind of come mm. up? Because I know you had a bunch of other bits and pieces Things. in the lead-up to that. Uh, yeah. You're in, a, you're in a few music videos? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. You can check the Wikipedia page on that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a place called Woo Jam. Um, a really uh-huh. cool uh, open mic night. Right. But it would be... Like, you would go down there and Alana Stone would be there. Jack Aladdo would be playing... A track, Fergus Brown, Holly Austin. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, uh, Serena Ryder, um, mm. Tim from Dappled Cities. Like, you just you just never knew who was going to play. Mm. And it was, it was more just developed people sharing, but they never stopped new musicians from giving it a go. And so I would get up and... And I'm pretty sure for the first three weeks, I just played airport people over and over again because yeah. it was the only song I had, and maybe I'd play a cover. Right. But they, it, it was so special to go to an open mic night. I wonder how many other musicians started because of one good night at an open mic. Yeah, of course. Just hearing that someone went, hey, cool, that song's, that song's not bad. I get, I get what you're trying to do. Mm. You don't always have to tell first time performers that what they did was great you just tell us that you get what we're trying to do yeah and we'll keep trying you know it's the same trick that our musical director has with velvet he will he will never say you nailed it he will say i completely understand where you're going with that because nothing's ever perfect no song is ever perfect no way to hit a note is perfect there should always be something to strive for And, and so that is why i keep songwriting ultimately yeah I just think I can do better. And that all started at Woo Jam, just someone saying, I get what you're trying to do. You know, I 
someone someone talking about Rufus Wainwright with me for the first time, or Ben Folds, or yeah. when I grew up in Sutherland, and maybe not everyone knew much about folk music. Or yeah, sure. Like that. So yeah, but yeah, it all came from a heart of folk. Even though I'm I'm such a pop singer now, that's it was just me and the piano and this group of of people sharing songs. Yeah, well, yeah. that's a thing. I think uh, over like the course of pretty much everything you've released, like no, barely even two songs are the same. Yeah, you know, like you go through and look at. All the stuff that you did, like even on the last EP before this mm. one, like half the EP is you know much more yeah. songwriting stuff, and half the stuff is like full on like electro pop yeah. sort of stuff. Like yeah, the Paul Mac album. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean that that came about because that album sort of had two turns, mm. um, and you know it, it was when I got signed to Universal, and you know all different people wanted different things, and so on on that album. On the physical version, there are four that are written there, which yeah. are by Paul Max produced tracks. Yeah. And um, they're my own, because I think I was very confused at the time with where I wanted to be mm. in the music world. I, I didn't know what I, what I was looking for, so I just kind of gave everything a go. Yeah. Um, and now, now you know, I, I interviewed um, Sarah Blasco two days ago, or oh, a week right. ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. for Eternal Return. And, and the thing that I will take away from that is when people sit down to an album, they deserve to have a theme, a central theme and a central sound and a palette. Mm. And so I, I hope in the future maybe my, my albums or EPs are a little more co- cohesive. Mm. I think that's important. It's, it's why I love Lady Gaga or Alana Del Rey. Sure, right. You know, yes, every songwriter is, is probably like, oh, but I had to write 60 songs, can't I just pick the best? It's yeah. like, well, no, maybe you should just care enough for the listener to make a, a single idea. Right. It's, yeah. just, it's just 10 songs that need to have some similar palette. Like, I, I've been very impatient because I'm like, now I want to try this, and yeah. now I want to be jazz, now I want to do a musical, now I want to do dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I want to do alternative and be weird, and, and what, what I think maybe the artists can do to help build their narrative is, is have those storylines, and you look at, nobody's done it better than Sarah Blasco. You know, I Awake is, is such a place. Um, as Dave Follows Night is is such an image in my head, yeah, like that course. fantasy, the elf, elvish ears, and yeah, yeah. the cover. Like you, it, it's like a movie, and and that's yeah, that's something for me to learn. Yeah. I think for the upcoming album. Yeah, sure. I also uh, that said, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that you can go from doing like piano based and acoustic based mm. stuff to go to you know the more electro pop stuff, and it doesn't feel like it's like you're trying too hard on either front, mm. like because you have that singer songwriter background, but yeah. you also grew up loving pop music as well. Like, has it always been important to you to like be as versatile as you can to just try everything? I think it, it's more about um, songwriting. Than anything like you can. It, 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 I, I remember when I worked at, at Triple J, and there was that um, Mr. Little Jeans cover of Arcade Fire. Oh, the suburbs, yeah, 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 yeah. And I walked out of the studio past the, the live music team, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, what an incredible cover! Like, what an amazing job they've done. And Greg Wales, one of the the technical music directors of, yeah. of Triple J, mm. just said, well, actually, it's because of the canvas that they painted on was so well set out it's almost like a join the dots um that's what that's what i love about covers to yeah. be honest because you you can represent songs that you love and, and that mean something important to you but what what you're trying to do with any songwriting is not finish a piece or have a sound 
it's just to write a great song. And so in, in that sense, you know, that's why Not Your Call can work so well as this theatrical melodrama space odyssey. Yeah. And then suddenly work so well, even better, in my opinion, as just me and pianos. Yeah. Um, which I did on, on the, the cover EP as well. But um, it, it works because the songs are good. Yeah. And that's that's what I try and focus on more than Brendan's a pop singer or Brendan's a folk singer. It's just Brendan's a good songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one day I'm going to lose my voice. <laughs> and I was like Daniel Johns in his interview said that he was worried about playing guitar too much because he's scared of, of his hands seizing up again. Oh, Like wow, they did a couple shit. of years ago. Like um, when he yeah. had the, the bad anorexia. It's not something that made, made the final print, but he was saying that he, he was very nervous that eventually he would write a song based on a guitar solo that he would never be able to play again because his hands weren't working. And that's why you don't hear very very many guitar solos on the last album, like on Talk. Oh, on his solo Because yeah. he made that choice out of this sort of future knowledge that he may not be able to play the, the guitar. Mm. So I'm the same. Like... You know, I do you think do you think that about like playing ukulele or playing piano or something? <laughs> I like think that? about it with my voice. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I know. Like you'll just hit one note too far and just yeah. Like, oh fuck! That'll be it. Well, oh, no. that's why I I don't think I'm no longer impressed by money notes in songs. Oh, like uh, when you're pointing to the note, like, yeah, you say, like, your style. Yeah, yeah, like you know, God bless Sia for being able to hit every single note in the world. But that's kind of all I hear. When I hear a song like Alive, I'm just like, ah, okay, you're a very good performer, mm. but I'm not sure I it's, personally... It's sometimes food. Yeah, yeah like, I'm not sure I personally want that on repeat. Yeah. it's it's kind of, I guess that's kind of the transition she's made now that, you know, everyone in fucking the pop world wants to mm. have a song written by her so they she can, they can do the same thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so she, and it's belting. Which, yeah. But that's why I really appreciated um, Troy Sivan's EP, because there's no point where he's... He's, he's never yelling at you. Yeah. He's never demanding. He uh, he said publicly in interviews that he knows he hasn't got the biggest range. Yeah. But, you know, it's that Madonna thing. It's just write a really good melody <laughs> and, and sort of speak it to people. If you can kind of speak, sing a song, I think you've written the perfect song. Yeah. You've, you've worked that melody hard. I mean, everything's a rip off of Packer Bell's canon anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so just work within that pop structure if you can. Yeah. And and work within your range. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I've seen you play a good half dozen times over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even played with you once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I was just on this. Didn't we do a gig s- with Courtney Barnett once. We did indeed. Yeah. This was about six years ago at the Oxford. She Academy was supporting in- us. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you what can you imagine? Hell? And now she's next, like in two months, she's playing the fucking Enmore. Now she's Courtney Barnett. Now she's Courtney fucking Barnett. Yeah. Hi, Courtney. Good on you, girl. Fucking <laughs> proud of you. Oh, it's amazing, right? Jesus. But um, yeah, I was thinking about that because uh, just on that same divide of you know being the whole singer songwriter thing and doing the you know the the big pop shows. Like mm. I've seen you do the shows with you know backup dancers and just laptop accompaniment. Totally. Yeah. And I've also seen you play just solo and you know just really kind of. Try and connect with the audience on, on that basis. Like, mm. um, have you found like yourself wanting to do more of either, or is it just at a point where you're just like, well, this could go either way? What? Yeah, it's 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 a big conversation within our sort of team at the moment. Is what right. what is the live show? Yeah, and I think for me, it it I would always want to do like 
the Lady Gaga monster ball thing. Oh, sure. Just and just have the con- yeah. concept. The and then just thing. that moment where you walk out to the piano. Yeah. Of course, her piano catches on fire and that's fine. <laughs> but I-, I love the idea that maybe I could find some sort of Australian budget way to do that. Maybe it's with lighting or visuals or, you know, when, like, um, to refer to her again, when, when Blasco did Eternal Return at the Graphic Festival. Yeah, it was there. Sometimes yeah. it's just about visuals. Being shot yeah, those behind. Those super cool. Yeah. yeah, they just keep keep it going so that the performer have, doesn't have to over perform. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't expect to be dancing very much. Mm. I, I move. I can't help. Yeah, move. Of even if I'm at the piano, I half dance anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it'd be more more conceptual. I, you know, I'm not really a big fan of, of live performance. Um, I don't like performing live. Um, Which is so weird because we've literally just done 105. Shows. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't know why it is. I just I don't get the same satisfaction out of it. If I had my choice, I would always play to 15 people sitting around a piano. Right. And yeah. My da- my pop songs would be DJ'd in clubs for people to dance to, mm. and I would do. Guess- and never the twain should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless you know, I want to have a rave with 15 people, which sounds pretty sexy. <laughs> It could work, um, it could work. You're all invited. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that happening for me, like the Lady Gaga thing. But I'm, I'm willing to give it a go, and I will next year. My, my sort of idea is to, to find some sort of spine between my video clips and have maybe people walk into, you know, like a community hall, like this in the stupid video clip, and then maybe there's just a light box and, you know, it's, it's a blackout, and then the light box goes on and I do tectonic with some visuals just with me and a mic and then can walk out to a piano and then, you know, sit under the congratulations sign and play Stupid on a ukulele. Yeah. Like, this sort of mini-spectacular. Yeah. I I don't know if anyone's done that. Um, I don't know if anyone in Australia's done as many video clips as I have. (laughs) And so maybe, yeah, it's time to to take it down. To incorporate that. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, over the years, like, you've mentioned, like, not, you know, being, like... uh, I guess not enjoying performing as much as mm. you, but you've definitely had you know some pretty incredible highlights in mm-hmm. terms of performing over the years. Like uh, there was the Kate Miller Hyde Key shows, yeah, um, and uh, playing with Darren Hayes as hey, well. Darren, yeah. yeah. Can like you tell us a little bit big, about those? those like venues. I can only imagine that would have been super intimidating, knowing you know the stature of these people yeah. and the the kind of crowds that they attract as I well. I mean, you know, Darren's gig had you know, two and a half thousand people at Sydney. Like it was huge. Yeah, wow. And, and same with the Amanda Palmer gigs at the Forum, and I mean, but her, I mean, her audiences are uh, the most beautiful in the world. Oh yeah, of course they're up for anything. Yeah, I think I've, I've found. But with Darren's Darren's crowd, that was certainly more difficult because that is that's you know, your Oz Stereo Today FM crowd, who really has no, there's not even a chance that they'll know who you are. If they yeah. haven't heard you on Triple J. They certainly haven't heard you on Unearthed or FBI or a local radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I would come out, they would. People would just be ch- like chanting Darren, Darren, and I'd walk out with me just my just me and my ukulele. Um, you know, in Sydney I had to, had um, Lee Carey and, and Andrew Bennett. But, oh, lovely! Yeah. But in the other places it was just me, and you just had to learn to sass them, like <laughs> just tell them that 
you just saw Darren naked or you, you know the set list yeah. or whatever and then they pipe down yeah um, and then you know you try and do what you can as a musician yeah. and, and blow their socks off yeah with Henry Rollins songs. yeah Henry Rollins had that um, had this great stand up bit about when um, the Rollins band were opening for Iron Maiden oh shit yeah and he was talking about the, the great thing about Iron Maiden fans is that they're there to see one band the problem is, you're not in that band. You're not in that band, yeah. Yeah, I felt that. I felt that. And that's, I mean, that's another reason why I struggle with with performing a little bit. Like, even if it's under your own name? Like, yeah, you know. even if I'm headlining, or especially if I'm headlining, I, I, I get so nervous about comparisons and um, people enjoying themselves under the pretense of a gig. It, it's not when you start. You don't feel that when you start because it's generally just your friends and stuff like that. But mm. when it... When it begins to get to that middle ground where I am now, where you are getting people coming in, sort of going, less I want to see you, and more, is he good? Right, yeah. Wait, like I'm they want to kind of see it for yeah, themselves. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go and see Brendan McLean to, to tell everybody else if I think he's good. Mm. And, and that, that, that can be upsetting sometimes. Because Even if they say that you're good? Like, yeah, 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 I mean, you have a possibility yeah, that they might say it's not good. I, I guess it's the the setup, and I mean, the idea of what a, a gig is, and and it's so rarely vulnerable. It's so rarely um, uh, honest. Yeah, you know, I have to to watch these these giant spectacular shows. Like when I'm, I'm if I were to do backup singing for someone very famous or something, where mm. I I see the process that they go through, and it's just complete bullshit like it's not real at all it's it's the same as cabaret you know yeah. i've done i've done velvet now a hundred times yeah and it's the same feeling you get when you're on the 10th 20th 30th show of a support tour sure like yeah. this constant pretending that things are a surprise or people writing in scripts for banter it it just does my head in. Oh, man. And in a pop show. Scripted banter. It, that's that's an excellent A lot of yeah. people do it. I know a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. It comes up on their teleprompters. Yeah. A, they, a, they've written it down. B, it comes up on a teleprompter. On a teleprompter. They have a teleprompter. Like, you write the song. Like, just <laughs> talk about it. Or, I, I don't hate musicians when they don't talk much. I, it's fine. It's okay. It, you know, it, does it, does it, Bjork ever say anything besides, me. thank you. Yeah. No, but that's some of the best gigs I've seen in my life. Yeah. You know, Radiohead does it really well. When they yeah. just, you know, they will tell you if they're overplaying something and they just won't play it. Yeah. But a lot of people feel stuck in their their set list and it must be the same for each state. And people don't mix it up. And I get bored of the idea of that. And it's funny that there's this weird punch up between people in theatre and cabaret and people doing, you know, legitimate gigs. Right. Because you know, you've been on either side. I've been of on both things. sides. Yeah. And I. We're all doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, we're all performing. Even if you're a shoegazer band, like, you're choosing to look at your shoes. Yeah. And you're choosing to, to dress the way you do. Like, yeah. there's always a moment with a new band, and especially if there's five sort of straight guys doing backups for me. <laughs> and it's usually not me that says it. Usually it's, like, a drummer or, or, or the lead guitarist who eventually goes, so, uh, um, what are we wearing, man? <laughs> and it's like, oh, what... What do you mean? What are you worried about that? Yeah. Like, oh well, you know. No, 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 no. But we want to look good. Yeah. We, we to, oh, do you want to? Do you want to wear matching clothes? Is that <laughs> oh no. Oh okay. Do you want? Do you want me to go to American Apparel and buy you all matching shirts? I guess that would be cool. 
<laughs> like, I've done that twice in three different bands. Like, really? guys, everybody loves costumes. Everyone loves clothes. Everyone loves lighting and fun. Yeah. Like, we are cabaret, theatre, and, and musicians. We're all in the same same world. Yeah, they will try and act like they're not for the yeah. longest time, and then it'll just get down to the crunch, yeah. and it's like, okay, it's just same. throw it all in. We're performing. Yeah. We're all performing. But I think it's, it's beginning to have a crossover. You know, look at Jack Colwell, look at Kieran J. Callahan. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, people... Uh, and 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 Blasco does it as well now. She didn't used to, but she certainly adds costume and curry to her shows now. Yeah, and I think it's really exciting. Yeah, and I, I hope I can be the the solo male pop version of that Chris Day. <laughs> and here we have coming into the room. Uh, this is Joey, the MD. Hello. Hi. This is David. David, how are you? Very well. Quick party. Oh shit! I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay. Talk. It's fine. You can say hello. Is, is this recording? It, it is. is. Two, two, one, two. two. He's he's the musical one, director. One, two. He's the um, one who can fire me. Why do sound men always count to two? Why? I don't know why. Because on three they have to lift something. Uh, oh, 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 toilet paper. Yeah. Toilet thanks, Mel. We, we, <laughs> this is the best day of my life. We haven't we haven't had toilet paper in Thank here for a while. You. <laughs> We also didn't this have is a. so emotional. We didn't have a kettle. Um, oh. we, we didn't have a kettle wire. We had a kettle, oh. but no wire, so we could look at the idea of of, of tea. Tea we, would be good. Yeah. We couldn't actually make it. <laughs> oh my but yeah, as you can see, we're getting closer and closer to um the, the velvet beginning today. Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved with it to begin with velvet. Um, yeah. I auditioned. I auditioned. Yeah. Uh, but I I had known. Uh, Craig Arlett's work, because he, he, he worked with you know, my hero, Iota. Right, um, yeah, yeah. In, in Smoke and Mirrors, which Joey was a part of, our MD. Uh-huh. And also uh, Hedvig and the Angry Inch. So I guess I, I hovered around Craig, the, our director, yeah. and um, you know walked into this room, that, and, and Joey was certainly auditioning me. They'd sent, they'd sent me some backing tracks to sing over, which I didn't realise were attached to the email. Um, so wrote my own sort of flight facilities version of I Will Survive. Interesting. And then played some Kylie Minogue on the uke, um, which ultimately is probably how the ukulele ended up being such a big part of the show for me. Right. What's, yeah. What Kylie song did you do? Confide in me. Perfect. Of course it is. It's the best Kylie song ever. Oh, that's contentious. You can put it up there. It's fine. <laughs> put, it, put it anywhere. It's a tough call. No, it's not. It's uh, not. Not for you. <laughs> or you clearly it, made your or, mind up. Or did it again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll pay that. And that's a great video clip. <laughs> yeah, with Indy Kylie. I remember yeah. That. Yeah. Remember when video clips and songs used to be as good as each other? Now it's oh, just yeah, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's either like, OK Go, where like the videos are brilliant and the music's just like, oh, yeah. I saw yeah. your review of OK Go and I was like, it's true. Like, they were so... Um, you know, they've tried to pull back on, on being so video-centric, mm. and now everyone's kind of like, ah, what were we listening to? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you, if, I, I can't actually remember a single OK Go hook right now, if I try Yeah, remember. exactly. You can All remember, I can remember can is, like, like paint splatting and, and treadmills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't actually tell you, yeah, which is why, why I, I am trying to keep my videos a bit more simple, like Tectonic was just me in a white room. Yeah. Because, I mean, Stupid was great, but I'm not sure anyone remembers how it goes because <laughs> the video is so distracting. So yeah, I'm just trying to simplify things and maybe, you know, There's here's the scoop, I might not actually appear in my next video clip. I'm going a George Michael sort of put models in there instead. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you could also maybe get a revenge jacket and, you know, stand up next to the jukebox. Absolutely. I'll just lean against it and hit play on my own song. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, perfect. when we got in Velvet, we've done Adelaide Fringe, Brisbane Festival, Edinburgh. Mm. Um, uh, Brisbane and Edinburgh, complete surprises. We were just going to do uh, Adelaide and Sydney, mm. yeah. but they got added. Was that the first time you'd, like, done stuff internationally, or...? Yeah, I mean, I played Joe's Pub and stuff like that in New York. Oh, wow, how was that? Just by myself. That was great. Yeah. It's the best venue in the world. Um, but Velvet's the first show, show I've been in. Yeah, right, right, right. So that's, it's a big change. I can imagine. It's a big change. Yeah. And, I mean, not to give anything away, but we're going to keep doing it for quite some time. How long do you foresee it going? I think somebody put a 2017 down on a cast calendar somewhere. Christ. Yeah. That's full on, man. Yeah. It's a big commitment. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and you're willing to make that commitment. We're <laughs> down uh, to the crunch w- here, man. When does this podcast come out? <laughs> <laughs> is this a podcast? <laughs> it is. Oh, right. oh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you on the day. I'll tell you on the day <laughs> if the release notice is out. <laughs> Or if I'd been negotiated. <laughs> There's a lot of talking to be done. Okay, so I will let you uh, prepare and oh, get... Thank you, sir. Uh, well, obviously. But um, before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it's your turn, mm. sir. I need to know about your best and worst experiences as a performer. Ever. Ever. Okay. Do you want Joey to answer that too? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good one. No, I can, a good I can, I, oh, there's too numerous to actually pinpoint one. Too numerous. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Good, Sometimes good, they drag into years. Good, <laughs> good human error one, maybe? Or? There's a human error one. There was a human error one where we just did some editing on the track and we put the vocals back in on one of the songs. Right. And right. we changed the key, but I put... The original vocals on ah, the track. Uh oh. So the band's playing in one key, <laughs> and the and the vocals on the track that they sing to, the backing vocals, were in another key, a semitone above. Okay. So it was just wrong. It was inherently just wrong. wrong. Yeah. Um, wow. It was in the middle of a tour. Yeah. Oh no. Okay, great. Uh, that was pretty horrible. That's yeah. pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is, of course, human human nature that he's referring oh. to that. Oh. Uh, he was a musical director for Human Nature for a while. Uh, for me, it was a, a Sutherland North gig in in the suburb of Sutherland North, uh-huh. where I was was playing. Where, where is that a play in Sutherland North? I I, I believe I played in the basement of Sizzlers. Uh, Shit. Possibly no kidding. In a garage outside of Sizzlers, and I it was just me. And my keyboard playing my first sort of single, which was Practically Wasted. Oh, yeah. Which was meant to be very, like, rock and rolly at the end and Ben Folsey. But I have terrible piano technique. So I, I was just I'm slamming away. Let's not forget, Ben Folds does too. He know? does too. <laughs> he hits it with a fucking stool. He can move it faster. That's true. So I'm just kind of punching away at the bass and, and I, I play the last chord and I go to wave at the audience and I think my hand should be pointing one way, but it's actually completely dislocated and is facing me when my arm was facing the other way and so I wave at the audience just with like this dead like like one of those wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men outside like car lots like that's what my arm looked like just waving at people so there was that um, oh, uh, damn. I mean generally 
hitting bad notes is, is embarrassing and memorable forever. Of course. But yeah, the, definitely, definitely just cutting my wrist was one. Ooh. And my best, my best moment? Shit, that's hard. I mean, people have a lot of best for different reasons. Like, yeah. you know, I remember playing to 20 people at my first single launch and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, totally. And it probably still feels like that. Yeah. I mean, it, the Amanda Palmer gigs are, are, are pretty up there. You know, you get the crowd surf for the first time and oh, wow, she gets yeah. you to sell a billion CDs and things like that. But uh, The Great Gatsby, like the actual live performances around that was sensational. Oh, yeah. You know, none of the Australian music made the CD, but we certainly performed it yeah. many, many times. That was that was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give it to um, my my solo set at the, at the Spiegel tent in Melbourne when I, I launched Stupid. It was, it was incredible. I had Sophia Bruce um, come on and, and guest perform. Paul Kelly was in the front row. No shit. You know, it was my first gig in Melbourne and, and this Spiegel tent that, that maybe only had 200 people in it, but they do such a great job it looked like there was 5 million. I just felt like I had my stuff together for once and a, and a great band and great songs and, and you can't beat launching a single in a Spiegel tent. Oh, for tent. sure. That's, that's fucking unreal. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're special places. They're really yeah. special places to perform in. Oh, that's incredible. That, yeah, that's definitely my best one. Awesome. Uh, so the single is Tectonic, and that is out in the universe now. Yeah. Uh, you can download that for free from Brendan's 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 Bandcamp. Yeah. That was hard to say for oh, some reason. It was way harder to say than I expected. <laughs> but I never say it. So. Of course. I say my Bandcamp. <laughs> I never have that issue. Uh, and there's a 90% chance that Velvet is still going. <laughs> 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 Ah, oh, look at my name. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Brendan, thank you so much. Thank you, David. I'm David James Young, and all my friends. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.